This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are. Even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. These days, choices are everywhere. Like, for instance, the milk in your coffee. Would you like it from a cow? A nut? A tree? Everyone wants options. And now your customers have a new option in the way they pay. With PayPal in person. Just generate your unique QR code in the PayPal app for them to scan. And start accepting PayPal in person today. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. Hello and welcome to episode 167 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. And today we welcome Matt Sankum, Bill Conway, and Chrissy Howard from the Hard Times. The world-famous satirical site stopped by Washed Up Emo on their recent book tour to talk about how the website started, how they come up with all the funny headlines, some regrets they've had, and I challenged them to come up with some emo headlines on the spot. A truly inspiring tale of finding something you love and making it your job. You can get their recently released book, The Hard Times, the first four years, wherever books are sold. Also, be sure and visit thehardtimes.net for all the jokes about our scene that you can take. Thank you to all the Patreon supporters out there. You make this podcast a reality each and every month with your support. If you want to support, head on over to patreon.com slash washedupemo. This is episode 167 of the Washed Up Email Podcast with Matt Sankum, Bill Conway, and Chrissy Howard from The Hard Times. I do feel like a lot of people talk about, in comedy, they talk about punching down or punching up, and our website's kind of like just a bunch of punks punching each other, you know what I mean? And I think that is a big part of why it's successful. It's also the fact that Bill and I started it, but now we've got like 400 people pitching ideas, and so it's all those additional perspectives and voices that make the site so much stronger. Um, that's, like on our, that's why like at our book reading last night, we had a whole bunch of our contributors come up and speak because it is a group project and like a shared platform and that's why it was key if it was just me writing it it'd be like three oi and street punk jokes and then it would have tanked right you know what i mean so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what i mean like the, there's different voices it isn't it, there's there's a sense of of community but also like checks and balances too mm -hmm. yeah and th th that's a big part of it is like like our pitch process is pretty democratic like uh, in the we have a pitch group posts get likes in the group on you know it's a facebook thing and uh if the more attention it gets in the pitch group it goes to the editorial meeting and us three decide its fate ultimately whether or not we want to run it but sometimes we just 
if we're like 50 50 on something we just default to the group if like this was popular there it must mean something we might not get this reference let's test it out and you know oftentimes it ends up working out sometimes it doesn't and then we sit there and fucking knew it no should have listened to our instincts but you know it's uh definitely a democratic process in that way but yeah the community aspect really has helped and given much more in-depth you know reporting if you will how did it feel with like delegation like how did you all land into how your roles sort of define because sometimes it just sort of said and some things are unsaid how did they all define or how did they all let land with how you guys work together i think what we did was we just told the world that we were going to do this thing and then whoever worked the hardest and was best at their stuff everyone started on the same level as just a contributor and then people just worked their way up to whatever right. position they had. Um, and people are good at different things, so they take over different roles. Yeah, I remember when Chrissy here first started contributing to us. Uh, it was probably about a year and a half into what we were, when we were started. When did you start? Like 2016, maybe? Yeah. Um, and dealing with a lot of drafts from... Uh, contributors like i when she submitted something i was like this person can actually write and is funny like holy crap uh (laughs) and so from there like every it was like instantly like pinpointed chrissy as oh well if something opens up eventually like some sort of editor role we should have her slide into that and that is basically how she came on as an editor was early um competency i guess uh very competent one thing about chrissy she's competent (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> when you found it were you like this is something i enjoy this is something that came easy when you were submitting stuff when i was contributing yeah. as a writer uh i think so yeah i had been contributing to smaller sites for a little while and i grew up in the punk scene and i remember when i saw the site i don't know it's a weird thing when you see like two of your interests combined so specifically like that right um and Do you remember the first article that you noticed? Um, the first article that I noticed? Yeah, like that introduced you to the hard times? Uh, the one about the tall guy standing in front of the girl. Okay, right. I know okay. that one really landed with me. And then the one about um, Nardwar giving Jesus the Ten Commandments or oh, something? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the original Stone Tablets. Those two were tablets. the ones that like really inspired me to contribute to, the, to, like, to submit pitches. And then a hardcore kid tried as adult. I thought was oh, yeah. also just very funny. Yeah, those three, I think, really stick out for me. Yeah, your first uh, article you wrote was Band uh, that showed up late or something like that. Yeah, uh, Band, uh, I can't remember. It's so funny when you ask writers about their headlines because they're like, it's kind of something like, like no yeah. one can ever remember <laughs> <laughs> their own jokes. But it's something about like, that conveniently, conveniently sh- late sh- band humbly agrees to play right before headlining band yeah. <laughs> which was so inspired by I'm not I don't play music and I don't tour and I don't know what it's like to play shows at all but the guy that I was dating at the time was in a band and they had just played fest and uh, we were just kind of they're like huge hard times fans and uh, the uh, the singer Dylan is a huge fan of your podcast, so shout out to Dylan if he's listening. But <laughs> uh, yeah, they they helped me with that pitch. Like we were we were just talking about uh, different funny funny ideas and funny tropes, and that was the first thing of mine that got published. So thanks Man, to when, them. When thanks I saw that Paxton. pitch, I thought of a very specific night in Chicago uh, where we actually were late. There was like a horrible storm, but we showed up. We were supposed to play like second and we showed up right before the headliner was like the prime spot and we like rolled in 
unloaded our gear and then played and we felt like such dicks we're like, oh, this sucks we're the worst band right now uh, actually I remember I used to listen to this live recording of 86 Mentality playing at Burnt Ramen and he explains how that night that they were they were late and they were like stealing the headlining spot or whatever mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's almost like too there wasn't like there was the flyer it wasn't like the Twitter updates or the like mm-hmm. It was just the flyer, and you showed up, and it wasn't like you had updates the whole way. Mm-hmm. I always joke about that. Like you, you said I was going to go meet you at the movies. You were at the movies at two. I didn't right. get to t- text you seven times. It's so crazy to think, <laughs> like, think that that's... that that show. Like it yeah. wasn't like there was updates the whole time. Like well, they showed up late and they played. It was like in the moment more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. I, I know the difference now. But I, I wish I could go back to that because I loved not knowing and you'd hear like if the band was late they'd be like oh uh you'd hear like whispers like they right. blew a tire in pennsylvania like they're just they're six hours behind but they're right. making it's like how do we know this you know like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, like the unknown yeah i don't like, know I like just, a phone call between the promoter and the panicked front man probably yeah and but then like it just moves its way through the crowd somehow like yeah. oh geez when's the life once lost gonna get here and you're like uh oh, they'll be here man you know what's one that's been tree remember tree oh of course i mean i'm from massachusetts right, i'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> um, so they were on a tour with clutch and it was in north carolina where i was going to school and there no not many people showed up and rumor around that they just left with clutch to go to the strip club <laughs> so i wrote probably more fun yeah, exactly <laughs> I wrote an article, which I worked, I was at the radio station. I emailed every music promoter that I knew mm-hmm. in an email and wrote how Tree lost its roots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, they didn't play clever. The I got a call from River basically <laughs> chewing me out. Uh-huh. And I was like, I was like steadfast, like, you fucked up. You forgot about the kids. Uh-huh. You wanted to see titties, <laughs> and you forgot about the kids. Why couldn't they just did, do that after like, the show? Did he actually go to the strip? Is that a fact? He yes, went to, okay, okay. 100%. They did not play the show, because I went to the show. Yeah. They left and went to a strip club. Wow. Party. It was amazing. That's uh, why, that's why uh, Anal Cunt really hated Tree. That's right. the reason. <laughs> but I just think like those those moments of like you know those unknowns, I think in this... You're playing to that too, because I think there's older punks like you did in the book, where there's stuff before the internet. Mm-hmm. Like I loved that. Like mm-hmm. I thought that was really clever um, to do it that way, yeah. because there were things that you couldn't get to. Like mm-hmm. think if it was around then, right? Right. Uh, and that was like a big challenge for the book because the back half of the book is all stuff from the website. The first half of the book that we did is all as if we existed since 1976 as a zine right. and in various print forms. And so like we kind of had to. The 70s was the hardest for us because none of us older punks to like ask them what was going on. It was kind of like getting like reference points of like older people, but like none of us were born in the 70s. Issa Issa was telling me all about it as he was watching the pitches come in, and he Mm -hmm. was telling me Issa from Good Clean Fun. Yeah, he 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 built. uh, Is this band emo? He told me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I work with him on a new project called Outvoice, and he also writes for Hard Times sometimes. So he's in our pitch group, and he'll like text me and be like. He's usually texting me to argue that his things are the best and that he should get on the website again. Of course. Uh, <laughs> he had some joke he really wanted in the book. I forgot what it was. He was like, anyone who was around at that point in time will love it. <laughs> Sorry, Lisa. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Your side text. Yeah. I well, you know I just pitched it to Chrissy and Bill, but uh, anyway. Yeah, the intrigue. It's like... It's like um, what's that show that everyone's watching right now on... Uh, Young Sheldon. No. <laughs> The, the one about the media empire? Barb Hart Sabashola. 
Um, Billions, uh, secession. Secession, yeah. This is like the this is like the office intrigue of the hard times texting each other. Hey, man, I think my joke about being late on tours, I think it's really going to hit. <laughs> <laughs> is there a depository for them to see already pitches so they don't pitch the tall guy standing in front of the girl again, or are those filtered? We out? We should fucking do that. <laughs> That's an idea because then it's it called, would at like, the website. Yeah, <laughs> we get a we get a lot of people that read every week in the editorial meeting. We'll have to give like a note like we're passing on this one because we literally already did this headline three years ago it's slightly different it's just a he versus a she sort of thing but uh it's um that happens all the time and you it's kind of it's not frustrating but it is funny when like the original was a hit article too it's like that one went viral man like you don't remember that we already did this you need a is this the hard times headline like (laughs) is this ban emo it would just just tell you yes or no (laughs) (laughs) yes it's a headline or maybe it's it's just or just has this band been covered by hard times and you type in band names and then it either sends you the link or says not yet (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we've touched yellow card even they have a violin player you know we've not touched it (laughs) sometimes it's stuff like that that makes it the hardest yeah, when it's, do- it's like already a little goofy. That's a, how about a, the names? Picking the random names for the the shop owner. I've actually had a pretty difficult time with that. Yeah, I had a very hard time. With like that. I was hearing you guys last night say the names, and I was laughing to myself, being like, "Oh, Lily. Yeah, I guess they could pull Lily out." Like I just, I was like sitting there daydreaming, being like, "How the fuck did they do that?" <laughs> well, there's a name generator that we use, right? Like oh, you can go good. online and just like yeah, yeah just you push can, it and things will generate. And you can actually like pick like the uh, nationality of names. So it's like because I've, I've I've been accused of only picking Irish names, like Caitlin Flannery. Every name <laughs> right. is Caitlin Flannery. <laughs> Story, uh, yeah. Uh, but um, the 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 most fun to me is band names. Band is making names. up band names that sound legitimate. Um, because uh, we've had people like comment on it, be like. That's my next band's name. Like, the, whatever we... Uh, that will be. There will be band names yeah. from that. Yeah. The yeah. book editor actually told me, hey, um, just going through the book one more time, we're going to need to get rid of some of these Irish names. Everyone is Irish. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Someone Bill's else Irish. is Irish. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I've been trying to get him to get rid of his Irish roots for a long time, but no luck. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I'm straight edge. You know, I reject alcohol. Is that uh, just for, to get rid of the Irish, Irish roots? straight edge, too. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. That's why we're sitting on this side of the room and these, <laughs> and these people are... Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you decide something when it's controversial? Because, like, The Onion kind of had that moment where it's like, what is the, the gun shooting one? They just change the photo, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever the line. Um, like, obviously, like, with the Me Too stuff. How did you guys, how do you be respectful of it, but also still get a punchline in? How does that work? Nobody's going to be happy uh, 100% of the time. So no matter what, even if we think it's kind of a benign take on something controversial, people are going to just Regardless. be yeah so at this point i think we've kind of numbed ourselves to it and as long as the joke is funny and we're making we'd like to be on the right side of history on everything right. so as, i think as Not long me. as yeah i want to be on the cool side of history well you see matt's sweater i, I mean, yeah, look at the sticker on his shirt <laughs> clearly i personally i like making trouble and so when we get into those editorial meetings and when we discuss those things i obviously don't want to have like a truly brutal take against someone who doesn't deserve it right but if it's, if it's to me more funny than it is offensive, I almost don't care how offensive it is, as long as it's a little bit funnier than it is offensive. And well, I guess the, the line of offensive is also so all over the place to different yeah. people. So I mean, it's it really depends on what your definition of these things are. You, you know, know, I think a big part of reading the Hard Times articles 
and deciding on the offensive ones is what's your gut reaction to it right at first? When right. you first read it out, do you laugh and smile or do you go, hmm, what's that saying? Yeah. And I think I usually let that guide me. Like so there was as a, soon as you've done the headline, am I giggling or not? There was a headline that went through recently on our editorial meeting where Chrissy just giggled for like two minutes. And then Bill goes, well, I guess that one gets it. <laughs> it was like oh, the dumbest yeah. headline of all time. It was super dumb. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? It's uh. <laughs> <laughs> still, still, I love it. it cuts her up. <laughs> it's like a millennial lets out uh, Tim Allen grunt while ironically uh, shooting himself in the balls with a nail gun or something. <laughs> I can't remember what it is. It's worded much better than that. But it's I'm Tim paraphrasing. Allen grunt joke. Yeah. But it's the Tim Allen grunt love joke. It. Yeah, yeah. And then someone accidentally gets nailed in the scrotum. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. 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 hilarious stuff. That's the yeah. <laughs> so we're really brow. worried. Like, does this cross the line? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Tim Allen is this too does edgy? deal cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we we you know Tim Allen. He's a very conservative comedian, so we know <laughs> like we're we're gonna get accused of making fun of conservative. You know, it's, it's Facebook. Uh, There's actually an article in the CJR, which is the Columbia Journalism Review, about an article that I wrote when I worked at SF Weekly about our biggest advertiser that was extremely mean. I didn't know it was our biggest advertiser. I turned it into my editor. My editor said, make this meaner. Wow. I go, okay, I wrote it again. Turned it in. He goes, no, you still need to make this meaner. This, this is, is about crazy. the casino. This is right? a casino. Describe the degenerate people gambling. Really go after this place. Sure. So I turned in this like 800 word, just all out of tear down on this, <laughs> on this place. Turns out they're our biggest advertiser, like $150,000 wow. a month, whatever. And they pull the whole budget after my story comes. And uh, our publisher comes into the room just red faced, just yelling right in my face, a couple inches away. And so when I left that job and I became the publisher, you don't really leave a job like that to play it safe or to care so much about what's. What should you publish? What should you not publish? We're like an independent punk media company. My gut instinct is telling me, let's make some trouble. Let's stir some shit up. Right. So, And that's yeah. going to get the other bands to share it. That's going to get people to talk. Yeah. But it's you're right. As soon as you're done reading that headline, if there's a little bit of a giggle mm-hmm. and they're laughing at yourself, you can't, you can't get mad. Yeah. Well, we, some people do. Alien Ant Farm did. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We did one when the Notre Dame Cathedral was burning. We did one that was just like, Hunchback of Notre Dame, now Hunchback of nearby Motel 6 or something like that. And people were like, too soon. And we didn't realize how many punks were so uh, offended that we were going after Christianity or something like that. And just like, guys, the the ch- nobody died. Right. You know, like, uh, yes, it's a, it's a big loss for a cultural, it's a beautiful piece of architecture and all that. Like, nobody's happy that it's burning. But this joke isn't saying, ha ha, burn down, you stupid church. Right. It's about a fictional character moving to a motel. Six and Quasimodo doesn't exist. Chris did a great one. Chris, tell your one about the graveyards, tombstones. <laughs> oh, so this one, two years in the making. Uh, <laughs> I really had to push her to. <laughs> it took me two it. years to write it. Yeah. yeah, and this one actually. Oh, the mic touched my mouth. Yeah. Um, Chrissy's gonna get sick for four <laughs> weeks now. <laughs> my skincare. Um, yeah, I pitched this one a long time ago and then I reached out to you because you guys rejected it at first and I was like I think you guys are wrong I think you need to let really? me write this joke yeah and then you were like okay like I, I get it I'll let you write it uh, the headline was woman visiting heroin ravaged town only has two more graveyards to visit or something yeah wom- like woman visiting friends in heroin ravaged hometown only has two graveyards left to visit 
And yeah, I thought the re- <laughs> I thought the reaction was very mixed. It was a really personal article for me because I'm an ex junkie. I was addicted to heroin for nine years, and I've been clean for nine years. And my hometown is heroin ravaged, and I've lost a lot of What's people to it. And the actual article. What's your hometown? What's your hometown? Uh, my hometown is Binghamton, New York, um, just upstate from here. Um, yeah, and people were, I mean, some people got it. Like, I felt like I saw a lot of people tagging their hometowns and talking about, like, oh, yeah, this is, like, this is where I live. This is a thing that I've seen. This is a thing I can relate to. And then a lot of people called it tasteless. And I think that they thought that we were being provocative just for the sake of being provocative, which is not something that I ever try to do. I think that that's very hacky and not what satire is. Right. Um, and, yeah, but I feel like the people that got it got it. And I still am pretty proud of that one because it is just so personal to me um yeah i mean i'm from massachusetts like on the south shore of massachusetts and all it is is heroin down there and like all across massachusetts so it's like uh i mean it's part of what's going on right now there's an epidemic um, yeah i thought it was a great take yeah thanks that's what good satire <laughs> is damn it uh, it makes people think no that's yeah. a, i mean that, that's part of it like sometimes yeah. it's serious but sometimes it's a joke yeah. yeah to get them to think about stuff i thought carlin was george carlin was always that like mm-hmm. he left his shows laughing but then you were thinking about what he talked about too mm-hmm. versus just being like oh that was a funny dick joke right mm-hmm. um and again, I, I love that. Like, I, have you guys thought about that more, or is it just whatever comes in the pitches? Or are you conscious of like, do we want to make a statement about something? Yeah, we steer them. We steer the direction. Uh, we run uh, brainstorming threads, and we, sometimes we put together special group uh, dynamics to try to call them dream teams to try to drill onto one topic. Sometimes it's an important topic. Sometimes it's just metal, something right. like that. <laughs> uh, Chrissy metal just is very ran important. Fem week. Uh, with Lauren. Yeah, with Lauren Levine. Um, and that was also mixed reception. People were very <laughs> confused by that. I think that they thought that... Uh, I think that a lot of people think that The Hard Times is all men. Um, and people were very confused. I think a lot of people thought that it was just guys writing really sexist jokes. And then I saw by the end of the week, some people were commenting. And they're like, wait a minute. I think these are women <laughs> writing about their experiences. <laughs> so and good. it's satirical. Hold the phone. After and it's not, days, not after just people days, making. shit. <laughs> yeah. They're not just making sexist, offensive <laughs> jokes about how women don't know how you to play to anything again. but bass. Um, yeah. So that was One that week was just have kids. Like literally kids write the headlines. Let's see if anybody notices. <laughs> My favorite, my my favorite sexist headline we ever came up with is: Did we ever run it? The spider one? No, no. I've been trying to get everyone to run this headline. They won't. They're not into it. Uh, it's like uh, band breaks up after spider found in practice space. Yeah, all all female band breaks up after band uh, after spider found in practice space. <laughs> I think it's funny. I think it's a funny take. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Never go back in there. Uh, there is so. like, like I have a Twitter drafts, which are uh-huh. angry tweets from washed up emo that will never go out, and uh-huh. I just, I just do it just to write it out and then draft it. <laughs> um, if anyone, I'll show you the drafts later. They're pretty insane. Um, do you guys have ramblings that? of a madman? What would you say? The ramblings of a madman. Pretty much. <laughs> um, what about emo nights? Um, the do you guys have that? Do you have like drafts that you'll go back to or that you'll 
I mean, my notes and not my f- not angry, not relatively, yeah. just the drafts. My notes in my phone are filled with like half baked stand up ideas and half premises for headlines. And when I read back at them, I'm like, what barbecue? What you right. know? Like, I don't know what this was meant to be. Where was I? Um, but as far as pitching, I mean, the pitch group itself. Usually, we just want straight headline ideas in there. So I think everybody kind of probably just has their own little scratch pad or something right. that they screw around with uh, to get the wording right before they bring it to the group. Um, I know that's what I do, at least. If I pitch something and it doesn't go through, I almost always forget about it. Really? But I, yeah, it's just you throw it away. That's kind of like the hard times mentality is you just pitch 100 things and one or two one of them will work. work. But while I'm formulating them, it often, I, I keep them in a notepad and I often, it takes me a long time to actually get them down. You know, so like uh, on the airplane ride over here, I'm trying to make some headline happen out of this idea of (laughs) all these uh, airplane, uh, all these uh, airlines are coming up with these like comedy videos instead of like just put on your seatbelt or whatever. Right. And in there, there's all these videos of like uh, someone like feeding a llama in Peru and like climbing the Great Pyramids. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, do they know where this airplane's going? Because <laughs> like, it's, it's like going to Dayton or whatever. So it's like, let's be honest. Like the video should just be like, your cousin died, right? <laughs> right. You've got a funeral to get to. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to Peru and you never will. <laughs> we will give you pretzels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> your meeting is very soon as soon as you land. <laughs> yeah. I hope you make it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you are in a rush yeah. and unfortunately they banned Uber at this airport so yeah. you're going to have to catch a cab. Yeah, you're staying uh, at a hotel by a highway. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Enjoy the convenience store because all the restaurants are closed by the time we land. <laughs> so sometimes I will just see little things like that and i just i write down that note and then i just try to drill them down because we like to be really concise so i really try to make them concise and then i pitch it everyone says matt that sucks and i move on that's that's true that's <laughs> usually how well it you is. don't move on you put up a little bit of a fight <laughs> you initial we have like a list of uh headlines in every meeting and then we put our initials by the ones that we like and we really want to discuss in detail and matt initials his own headlines every <laughs> single week like he's the only one of us where you like see you like see the ms you see it as zero <laughs> 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 i always started doing that like maybe one or two months ago i was in some other meeting at hard times and people were doing that yeah that's what the hard uh, stuff of the blog and opinion guys do uh really it's a it's a move that i just cannot condone i thought (laughs) i've realized i've stopped doing it because i think it hurts my pitches like by the time we get around to reading them bill and chrissy have already turned on me because i've already (laughs) yeah we don't take it seriously (laughs) there was one that i thought was pretty good (laughs) i (laughs) felt like the fact that i voted for it I lost the support of my peers. Right. <laughs> well, Chrissy and I go into it when we have a pitch in the meetings. We go into it already like, oh, this is going to suck. You know, like, oh, fuck this. You know, what uh, our own pitches? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I will want never this. defend my own uh, joke. If someone's like, oh, I don't really know. I'm like, we don't have to talk about this anymore. We can right. just move on. Just delete it. Yeah. <laughs> how, how does, I mean, not getting uh, emotional, but like, how does it work? Like, how do you guys, how has this been? It's like, it is like a band. You have relationships, you have opinions, you have ideas. Like, how has it, what's been the secret sauce? Uh, we I don't know you talked about community and, like, the group project, but personally, you guys being able to... We're never in the same room together. That's probably yeah, what Yeah, I just met them for the first time yeah. uh, this week. Yeah, after working <laughs> together for two and a half years or whatever. Uh, the so heart goes fonder, right? Yeah. I get it. Um, <laughs> we, do, we do, like, video chat with each other at least once a week for multiple hours to talk about these headlines, though. Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess it's like a level of respect. 
and uh, it's very democratic. So there's there's not too much resentment that builds up over like people forcing things. I don't think. Yeah, I think we stay out know. of each other's way most of the time, and just as long as everything's moving freely like everybody knows their responsibilities and as long as those don't get messed up then there's really no friction you know right. i think that's kind of what it is no micromanaging really uh, and not being in the same room helps yeah. yeah yeah that helps a lot we have had disagreements though and arguments i was telling someone about that about how how long our meetings go i'm like they're usually 90 but sometimes they can get into like the two hour plus range if we're like arguing about something mm-hmm. I mean, and i feel they used like to be four hours long when we first started really these, these were things like you have to like have like a donut on your seat you know <laughs> like sort of thing like <laughs> you're wearing a diaper like it's yeah you have like food ordered. we had to yeah. figure it out as we went along we didn't really have a good process for it we used to just read every headline yeah um, like even it was just a nightmare in the beginning yeah. it was very long yeah i'm I trying to think of the, what, what's something that we thought about I mean, there was arguments in the book about just certain articles. I can't really remember. I mean, a, a lot of the book, we weren't really fighting with each other. I think it was just fighting a We a were just system. angry. Yeah. We were just very frustrated with the process. We fought about group dynamic stuff before. And, uh... Mm-hmm. uh oh, when I, I... When you were... John Danick. I guess I remember, I like... I, sometimes I would go on philosophical rants about what comedy is. Oh, yeah, yeah. I stopped doing that, though. Yeah, you have promised yeah. to stop commenting yeah. long things in the group, which you still do occasionally. No, I don't. But no, I, don't <laughs> I haven't seen... Ma- so no, I stay out of there, it. There's a weird group di- di- dynamic where I think, like, Matt's, uh, Matt is just trying to express, like, an opinion just like anybody else, but since he's the boss, it carries so much more weight and then is, like, analyzed a lot harder or something like that mm-hmm. and so it becomes a bigger discussion point when it was like oh i didn't actually mean it that way but it comes it can be construed that way and you can't really and you're passionate yeah. so it's coming through it yeah. came across like that was the dictate or whatever like that's what hard times should be but it was just me being a stupid punk kid being like we should burn some bridges right and then <laughs> like 400 people in the group would be like there's always be someone who'd be like you're wrong and i'd be like I don't think I'm wrong. <laughs> but I, I stopped doing that. I th- <laughs> stopped doing that. You've stopped. You guys yeah. told me, hey, cool it. Now yeah. I keep my ridiculous opinions to myself for the most part. Hey, just tweets them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that in the meetings too, when we, we have gotten into stuff in the meetings a little bit, not anything recently, but I think that it works out because we, I think at the end of the day, we're all just like, we're here for this project. Like it's, it's not, it is a, it's a huge investment of ourselves and our time, obviously. But I think that there's a little bit of an emotional disconnect that we can do where it's just like we all let each other talk. And then it's just like, okay, let's put a pin in this. And if we still need to go on next week, we can make more time next week to do it. So it's like, I think it's been a good uh, sort of allocation of time there where it's just like everybody says what they need to say. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of cut it short before it gets to the point where we're like, screaming at each other and I'm you know we're quitting and like yeah just shaving our head that's you know, what I, I want to do every time we get that's into why it why I, I have like, a shaved I'm head shave right? my head and move to Montana I have I a shaved head right now that's what happens <laughs> I think there's something about having a whole bunch of passionate punk comedy creative people together and trying to work together as a unit to try to create a magazine it's like a actually a pretty big project that requires a lot of collaboration and not all of our personalities are actually, these are people, so I mean, like, I don't know, maybe like we didn't get along with our bands and we didn't, we ran away from our families or whatever. Like 
we think that we should be famous because we're stand-up comics or whatever. There's a lot of big personalities. Trying to get all of those people to work together towards the same goal is there's just there's been defections and people have left and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think we try to make it the more democratic we make it. I think the better we all get along. I mean, everybody has a shot. I remember yeah. early on. Either you, we were talking or I found it. I remember mm-hmm. the Facebook thing where you just throw stuff in the comments mm-hmm. and either you or I forget who was responding to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it, it just, it felt that way. And you're right. People are going to feel like I'm funnier or then it's, it's tough to keep a group of people together. It yeah. is. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we tried to do is we started doing these reports of the meetings so that there was a pass note. So the editors would write out Here's why we didn't go this one to try right. to increase transparency. They want a reason. Yeah, so it didn't seem like we were being biased against someone. Like we had to have a reason to pass on it. We try a lot of stuff. It's a difficult thing to pull off. Yeah. Yeah. When did you realize that it could be the jump? This could be a thing more. Than what, did, what? What jump? Meaning, like that it could be a like full time or. Oh. Like, this isn't just me doing this in between my job. <laughs> I was at SF Weekly, and I would spend, like, a month reporting a cover story, and I'd write 4,000 words, and the only comment would be from my mom, and it would say, Matt, you are a master of words. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I would look at the analytics, and there'd be, like, 2,000 people who read it. And then I would work with these guys, and we'd write a joke that maybe took 30 minutes to write the whole article, maybe an hour, and uh, 200,000 people would read it. And I thought... I didn't have very many responsibilities at the time, and I was young, and I thought, you know, I've done a lot of creative projects that no one cares about, and it seems like people care about this one, so I'm going to jump on this. I'm going to try my best morning, day, and night to try to push it to make it something real, and I jumped too early, I think, because I went broke pretty quick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I got a call from Vice at my desk at SF Weekly saying that they were going to run our ads, and they thought that we could make about $8,000 a month. And so I thought, let's do it. So I walked over to my bosses and I said, nah, I'm out of here. Sorry. And uh, that never came through. $8,000 a month never happened. Whoa. It was, you know, so we were, then I had to figure out how to do it myself. And then it was more like $800 a month. And so there's a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the beginning. Um, but we've grown quite a bit. And now I understand a lot more about. Well, uh, he's still doing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but they're on seven grain bread now. So the it's, finest. Yeah. Yeah. I cut them like diagonal. I get some <laughs> fancy like chips. More? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but now I know a lot about uh, the ad business and we have some great partners and uh, we make enough money to keep the lights on. And in April, Bill went full time and I'm hoping to add more and more full time members. And uh, yeah, so we're doing it ourselves. We have some great partners like Consequences Town helps us out. Um, a couple other people like Vans bought a campaign stuff like that Pure Noise Records partnered with us on a whole section of our site uh, the community has just helped us a bunch but Vice never really came through and, and like fuck you Vice I mean of course and I, I never like with like the hard times even if I, I mean I do it full time now but I was working in a warehouse and then doing it at night with no expectation of ever doing it full time just expecting oh, I'll die in a warehouse it's fine you know it's right it's fine cool. I'll be crushed by a forklift and it's cool whatever yeah. you know uh, so everything is you'll just be in the revere times yeah little blip you'll yeah. be fine <laughs> yeah, local boy dies uh, <laughs> but uh I, now that it is full time, it's like, oh, I'm literally living a dream. Hold on a second, you know, this is, this is crazy. But um, 
so yeah, but I'll expect, you know, I'll, I'll be back in a warehouse soon enough, uh, breaking my back, loading pallets. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, can't wait. I actually do. Like I was telling Chrissy last night after our book event, when people, when people are like stacking chairs, I was like, I need, I need to help them stack these chairs. Like I can't stand by as people do manual labor. Yeah. Like, you're you like, know, I'm, this is how much of a broken person I am. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't let them do their job. Right. <laughs> Something that I'm particularly proud of with hard times is we were at uh, a taco shop before the book event and we all talked about how we never thought that we would ever have a book event. And if you go through a lot of our editors and a lot of our writers, not only do they not have uh, like professional writing backgrounds, they might not have college degrees, they might not have high school degrees, and it's a lot of people who have been passed up. It's a lot of diamonds in the rough, and it's like this big project where a whole bunch of people apply and only a certain amount of people got in. So I do think it's like, I try really hard to make it merit-based, and that's really exciting to me. Like the fact that Bill thought he was going to die in a warehouse, but now he has <laughs> I will. a book tour. Right. You know what I mean? That's cool. That is cool. And I don't think there's that many, I don't know. Creating thinking. I think yeah. there's people that just, I don't consume. Like I don't really watch a lot of TV or like I'll watch sports or whatever, but like I want to create. Mm-hmm. And I think you get so much out, like this book being out here, mm-hmm. it's there now. So many people are going to, there's more people that are going to be finding out about you guys. And I think doing doing the website, doing that, doing events. You're you're probably you met all those people last night that did the book signing. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure they all had some story, they all had some connection like but you had to put it out there. Yeah. The one of the biggest thrills to me is seeing like a blank page go from nothing to something and being a part of that. So, you ready for this bill? No. I'm ready now. You ready? <laughs> First time I had that happen to me was when I ran the high school yearbook. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Bill owes his mouth when I bring that up. Every single time he brings up the fucking yearbook. And then in college, I was part of the newspaper and I I ran a punk scene and I always got super excited by like starting with nothing and then having something. Right. So this is definitely the biggest thing I've ever been a part of. Uh, uh, Besides the yearbook, of course, which which he started on freshman year. I mean, he's a freshman. I was young and I ran a publication, right? That seems relevant to you, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, it doesn't feel like it. Uh, Always with the yearbook. Oh, I was in charge of getting the photos for Best Smile. (laughs) I I convinced the school newspaper in college to do an April Fool's issue Uh on April 1st and I wrote an article about how Eve 6 is playing (laughs) that following Thursday. Awesome. And I wrote this whole story about how it was the guy's janitor's friend. I mean, it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. People showed up thinking (laughs) Eve 6 was going to play and I got like angry like notes from people and like it was really funny, but they thought it was real, and I was. Oh like, wait, oh. you just made it up. I made it up. Uh, <laughs> How are you going to tease? Was, the- I said they're playing next Thursday, but it was my band show. Uh, <laughs> awesome. I said that we were opening for Eve Six, so people were waiting for Eve Six, and I had the CD ready, and I just played the song, and I had more frat guys want to kill me <laughs> at the end. So that's, that's a great brilliant. gig. Oh yeah. yeah. So like doing things in the future, but they didn't realize that it was April Fools in the in the newspaper. So. There was uh, there was like a little bit of a rivalry between the high school yearbook and newspaper. <laughs> really? <laughs> and what, you come out once a year or every other week. I don't like, know why. How is that a rivalry? But I think that they had tried to start it or whatever, and so I wanted to mess with them. And the newspaper sent out this little piece of paper to everyone in the school, and it said, "Where are you going to college, seniors?" And then on the backside, if you're doing something really special, write down what it is. And I wrote down that I was getting a full ride scholarship to play badminton and that I was a once in a lifetime <laughs> talent and all this sort of stuff. Well, you had like a world champion badminton gym teacher or we something. We did. Okay. He was an Olympic badminton teacher, but he got kicked out for cheating. He had 
corked his racket. When, of course. When you can't, you teach. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so okay, whatever. A week goes by, two weeks go by, and then it's homeroom, like three weeks later, and uh, someone shows up with a camera, and they go, hey, Matt, I'm from the newspaper. I'm here to take a picture of you. And I go, for what? And they go, for badminton. And I go, what are you talking about? They go, you got a full ride scholarship to play badminton. I go, that's right, I did. You're absolutely right. And there's this big spread in the newspaper about me and badminton and Total training bullshit. after school with the coach and how he's inspired me, all these fake quotes. And it's like this big story. And right next to it is Zach Ertz. Who ended up being an actual Super Bowl champion, and it's yeah, Philadelphia uh, Eagles tight end Zach Ertz. Yeah, exactly. He was in my class. You took to- you took copy away from yes, an actual from this, like, super serious athlete. And, and Zach Ertz also married one of uh, the women that played for the na- uh, women's national team that won uh, the 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 gold or oh, the, yeah. the FIFA thing. So it's a power couple, and Matt is still you took, got- you took away some glory. Yeah, and the the badminton coach thought it was so funny. He is there like, a picture of you playing? badminton in the newspaper they did like an illustration it's a picture of my face and then like an illustration of a a caricature of like hitting a badminton (laughs) it's incredible (laughs) do you have it i do oh i'd like to see that of course he does i post on it's like (laughs) this is not it's the only cool thing i've ever done i post on instagram like once a year you know what i mean it's one of those things (laughs) it's one year of me doing this exactly everybody And like, were you ever afraid that you were gonna get like found out, or were you like, were you just having a fun ride the entire time? Were you, were you were afraid you were gonna get in trouble at any point? No, yeah, I, I'm just a lunatic. It's the same stuff, man. Just I, I like causing trouble. I think it's funny. Yeah, I like that. Um, we're on emo podcast. Um, thank you for including me in an article. People yes. did say I made it now, even though they kn- they literally said the quote that you used. They said that did you actually give that quote? <laughs> um, because um, that's exactly what I say when hearing about emo nights that play yeah, those so bands. The headline was like I Evanescence and Lincoln Park. Also, also surprised by emo night playlist appearance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I had been. So there's a bar in Hollywood called Black and they have an emo night and I was watching an Instagram clip of the emo night and then I heard Evanescence like start playing like no you know not a chance and so when I pitched that headline I was like all right and so when I was writing it that's when I messaged you I was like well Tom I know he's got opinions about emo so let me just see if he's cool with me using his name and it was exactly what the quote would have been I think I saw you write (laughs) other things similar to that in the past I was just like I'm not really making anything new up here it's just uh, you saw his Twitter drafts yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) there I mean because you've been doing yours the longest yes we're the longest running emo night Mm -hmm. yeah we've been doing it since 2011 okay and they started popping up around 2014 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as people think about this this topic mm-hmm. and i think that's an interesting thing to play with um for things that you guys want to talk about like we're joking about this and but i feel like you guys could come up with something serious and you're we do that from point. time to time yeah that's yeah. What i mean you got this is something that you know you can do yeah sometimes when when uh something like that bubbles up we we comment on it um it is a little hard to do when something happens nowadays everyone's uh taking a crack at it Twitter. Just, I yeah, mean, exactly. In seconds, there's lines and retweets and and our, our stuff takes a little bit of time because that whole like democracy thing we do, and then like we have to make the art and we have to write the draft and like we try to make our website, you know, like you know, up to snuff, like not a whole bunch of typos and stuff. So like we care about it, 
So there's a little bit of a... We're of not a just like, firing off a one-line joke. Right. Um, Which well, I think the substance of why podcasts are popular, because, oh, wow, people actually will sit down for 30 minutes, mm-hmm. or they are reading The New Yorker still. Mm-hmm. It isn't just that. If you guys were just a Twitter account, right, it, would just, it wouldn't have as much weight. Right. Yeah, there was, there's actually were a couple Twitter accounts that kind of freaked out when we started. There was one Facebook account and one Twitter account. Who were like we did this first because they would just do headlines, I guess. Uh, Rough ideas of headlines. Obviously, we didn't know about them. We just yeah. whatever. But we started as a magazine, and then obviously we grew in popularity, and then they disappeared. Yeah. On, on the topic, I, that happens. The same with podcasts. Yeah. Like, oh, I, that's my idea. Congratulations. Do it. You're do it. Yeah. You, inter- do it. you interviewed people. Wow. You must be the first person and ever to think of that. One of the there was a Facebook page, and some of the fans of the Facebook page were like. This guy did it first, and he did it best, blah, blah, blah. And then that guy went, I want to write for the hard times. <laughs> and he, exactly. shut, he shut down his thing and uh, wrote some headlines for us. Amazing. Really? Yeah. Um, who was that? Poser Alert. That's what Do you know called. who the writer was? His name was Ray. Oh. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about it off air, Chrissy. <laughs> oh, I, okay. I know. Um, <laughs> never mind. Yeah. Uh, on on we the did topic. We did quite sign a non <laughs> On the, on the topic of like uh, like the Twitter thing though, like we had a headline um, when Trump was doing that initial uh, like text alert thing, like testing that out, and we came up with a headline like Tiffany Trump gets first ever is that her name? Uh, yeah, uh, Tiffany. Yeah, yeah, gets her first ever text from her father. You know, and our writer Mark Robach had thought of that headline, but then the de- the alert got delayed by like thirty days, so we're able to write it and have it ready to go with art and. As soon as the alert had everybody's phone, we could hit publish. And so we were right on there with the take. And it went viral. It got us on like CNN and stuff like that. Like the screenshot was on there. But somebody else on Twitter had made the same joke one minute later. Wow. Um, and theirs went viral as well. So then it was like this thing of like, no, no. Like if I, because I posted it while at work. If I wasn't, if I was busy at that moment, then we would have been accused of stealing. But we had the timestamp and it's just like, no, motherfucker, we got this out there. As those things hit our fucking phone, and uh, there's actually well, it was weeks in the making too. Yeah, yeah, and so we we, we had that. Lo- if it Do you guys have been- obituaries ready? Uh, <laughs> I tried to start like a thread about the Queen of England, like cause she's gonna die soon you know, enough. Uh, but no, for punks, you know, it, no, what? like have one ready for Ian. Just have it ready to go. <laughs> we had a joke article <laughs> about Iggy Pop, and the whole thing was like. Uh, the, in the headline, it said like uh, Iggy Pop dead at, and then like. There's just the box that's empty, oh, yeah. and then there's a thing in brackets that says D- "Do not publish." And the whole article is just like all the details are left out, but everything's just like ready to be plugged in. You know, when we first started, was maybe- found in plank. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a year in, when we first started, a mom had contacted me, and her son had died, and he was a huge Hard Times fan, and she was like, "Will you publish his obituary?" And I was like, "No." Like. His friends will think it's a joke that he's not actually dead. Like, I can't publish right. real obituaries. But she's like, please, it mean the world to him. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, first off, he can't read it, lady. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't even know what a satirical obituary would be. I, don't think I feel like it'd just be mean, right? I think right? she wanted just like a tribute to her son, like on the site, more or less. Uh, it's just that. But that's a, speaking of death, we've had, had this often where we use a lot of punks in photos. And eventually those punks die. Um, right. And so people will... Like, we'll repost the article, like, two years after it ran, but then somebody will message us, like, 
oh, Big Timmy just died in a fucking car accident the other day. I can't believe you're reposting. It's like, we didn't know this guy. We got this off of, like, Shutterstock. Sh- yeah, yeah, it's all that, like, Getty and Shutterstock stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. And so people, like, have this, like, will yell at us and be like, his grandmother's really upset right now. I'm like, we don't know his grandmother. Uh, you know, like, we didn't do this down. on purpose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Can you guys uh, on the spot do some uh, emo headlines for me? Come on, emo podcast. Oh, that's any, any headlines? See, it? get you on the spot. It, it's it's tough with so emo and ska. I feel like are tough to do because people have certain hacky uh, thoughts about them in general. So I feel like they always come across in in that regard. I've been very anti ska headline most of my time at the hard times just because of that. And I feel like emo falls into that same thing because it's so misrepresented. Here we go. Poorly attended Arkansas emo night wishes it was part of the emo night feuds from the coast. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, hey, no, actually, we're upset. <laughs> it's like three friends I get out. I had one headline that I pitched a while ago. I think it was a little bit too easy, but it was something about like uh, hard, something about a hardcore emo fan being actually being like an emotionally unavailable boyfriend. Uh, which was passed on as clearly that did not land in this room either. <laughs> I like that. No, I like that. Because there is an assumption that it means sadness. Yeah, mm. yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. mine would be like, you know, emo fan, you know, starts like their day like running, like just some like happy, like they like breed golden retrievers, like something that's like completely happy versus mm-hmm. maybe sadness. You, maybe you could do something like... um Emo fan not sure where to upload autoplay song on Facebook profile. <laughs> MySpace joke. Huh? Oh, oh. Huh? Well, Emo's pretty big on MySpace. Yeah. Come on, yeah. you know, fuck you guys. <laughs> you got to make a pure volume. Where, where do we, we put the pure, pure volume, volume in bed? Don't we? Don't we have a pure it, volume? It's like Dad's band still on pure volume or yeah, something. Yeah, like that was one. just. Uh, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned like uh like about emo like the people just think it's sad we've had this problem with goth headlines lately where everybody just thinks goths want to kill themselves and just like no goths aren't suicidal they have more friends than any of us because they have their own fucking community man like they're not they can see each other from miles away you see the trench coat right to go yeah i love how envious bill is of the goth community (laughs) he wants to be one one of my favorite headlines we ever ran i'm not sure who wrote it is something like uh Goths, Sack, Sarborough, Sparrow, ex- Sparrow, uh, extending empire to the far reaches of the food court. Oh, Ben Hargrave wrote that. Yeah, the yeah. mall goth joke. Yeah. That's really funny. I love Good that job, one. Ben. Just yeah. the, the tone of it is so fucking funny. Uh, <laughs> of course they're at the mall. Yeah. <laughs> Where else are they going to go? Um, so, yeah. and So, I mean, I think I need to say, if there are emo headlines, feel free to... You know, fact check, fact check, <laughs> run them off of me, use me willingly. <laughs> Feel free. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, you're you're a resource. They're all shaking their heads. Uh, <laughs> nodding, not, nodding up and down. Deputy emo editor. Yeah. <laughs> editor at large. Emo editor at large. There we go. Yeah. That would be helpful. Yeah. I do feel like about misrepresented goth kids and emo kids. I think emo kids are like the happiest 
people I've ever known. I've I don't never know that been. I know, like, I'm not sad when I listen to this music. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I don't think goths are either. No, yeah, they're, not. they're just thinking about Robert Smith. Yeah. They're like they're they have a fascination with the macabre, but they're not, you know, suicidal or whatever. It's a, I mean, like, some are, but fans aren't angry. Right. Uh, I'm pissed. Yeah. Well, yeah. Matt, I'm at a, I'm at an eleven right now. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier, when I tried to push the door open, and you guys were laughing at me from the other side, like, <laughs> we were. We definitely were. That peaked me. Uh, in through the outdoor. Uh, I saw it. It said "push on the door." I'm pushing it. It's not working. But and as you guys, oh, doubling over and laughing. Wow, really actually, Bill, I pointing. I had a hard time getting through the turnstile, and I was getting pissed. Yeah, too. you had to bend down. We're just, yeah. your ID. We're just some straight up hardcore goons, <laughs> just trying to get into this nice fancy music <laughs> office. And like, what is wrong with the door? Yeah, I'm gonna uh, beat this door's ass. I already feel like I'm not supposed to be in places anywhere. Like we're staying in a hotel, and I still feel like I'm not supposed to be there. You know, so like when these little barriers happen, like I'll just stay outside. Fuck. It. One, one time. One time we went, we did punk rock bowling, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll get us a hotel." And Bill was like, "I'll just sleep in my car." I'm like, Bill, it's gonna be like a hundred and ten, hundred ten dollars. We can get you a hotel. Like, yeah. Yeah. Stay in a hostel. Yeah. It's no problem for me. Yeah. Um, Give me a patch of dirt. I'll be fine. Uh, I had some uh, friends that mentioned they knew this was happening, and they were they love the hard drive. They love oh, that one too, the great. video game one. I mean, yeah. I love gaming too, so I think that one's fun. How has it been expanding? And how is that? What's the decision to. When's the decision to do that? Very quickly after Hard Time started, it started to get popular. And we started thinking about where else we wanted to go with it. And uh, we actually, Bill and I ran a site together um, about MMA and pro wrestling for a short period of time. We tried to expand it to that. Not a single person read it. Um, Joe Rogan read it live on air. And. He, he, didn't uh, he didn't Joe get the Rogan, joke. He didn't get the joke. Noted comedian oh, yeah. did not get the joke. And um, <laughs> then we tried to start a conspiracy theory website, which I loved. I loved that. I wish it was still online. Sometimes I want to go back and read the like, old articles. I don't know how we set it up. It was, it was like 50 bucks a month or something, and no one was reading it. And I was like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> got to take this down. Um, but the headlines were too insane for anyone to share on their... It right. was when like InfoWars was at its like peak. Yes. Um, and then... The one idea that we had had really early on was that we wanted to expand into video games. That's those are actually the the two biggest constants in my life were punk music and video games. And we we kind of looked at like where is there a gap in mm-hmm. the consumer entry? Like right. punk and hardcore had nothing really. Mm-hmm. And then like if you look at what I mean, the Onion's doing gaming now after being pushed into gaming by what they're doing a hard time spinoff site. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> yeah, if the hard times was the punk Onion hard. The uh, the Onion Gaming Network is the uh, gaming hard drive. Uh, The Onion hard drive. Yeah. yeah. Um, Are they going to start sharing writers? Like they're going to like all the major labels steal all the executives? I would be actually. I would be happy if they stole some of our talent because I I, that would I'd be stoked. One of our writers. Some of our former writers work for the Gaming Network. The Gaming Network started after we after we started Hard Drive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They might be contrib like. The Kevin shit list contributed. contributed. One of our those are the two biggest ones. Yeah, um, but I was really excited to see how much it expanded very quickly, and um, now it actually makes up a very significant portion of our traffic. And then Hard Drive launched this satirical presidential campaign for the first gamer for president. His name is Ace Watkins. He had a rally here in New York. Um, he's very popular on Twitter. Very funny guy. 
What uh, is it? How many Twitter followers does he have? He's got like 170,000. Wow. And he started like two months ago. <laughs> um, this guy's got a chance, is what we're saying. Yeah. He's got some corporate donors. He's got Corsair. Is He's in the pockets of big wow. RGB. This is cool. Um, yeah. He's played by a YouTuber named Phil Jameson, uh, who does a terrific job with it. There's a lot of videos uh, that are definitely worth watching. Um, but Ace Watkins 2020, vote for Ace. And Hard Drive. Yeah, I think Hard Drive will be... It might actually be the thing where three or four years from now, that's really represents a very large portion of what we're doing. Uh, because I think most people who come from the hardcore scene or the punk scene have heard of hard times. You know, I think we've pretty much right. reached those boundaries. Uh, if you like us, you like us. And if you don't, you don't. But hard drive, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And so, so many, many communities. Yeah. So many of those. In there's the World of Warcraft kids. Yeah. There's the, like, there's a, we do a bunch of stuff on the fighting games, mm-hmm. and, like, that's a whole other mm-hmm. world, so. And so many of those people haven't even heard of us yet. And then when they do hear of us, it grows. And then they and learn about the other shit. Yeah. Yeah, actually, someone came to our book event last night, and they were getting, they were coming the, up and talking to us. The guy that played the corn game last oh, Gio. night. Uh, yeah. Gio. Yeah. And he told us that he found out about Hard Times through Hard Drive. Yeah. I thought that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, anytime, like, like friends will ask me like uh hey do you have anything to do with hard drive like well not editorial wise like i I don't do anything about it like oh because every like everybody at the gym i go to loves it like cool uh what do they think of hard times i haven't heard of it like yeah that's fine it's fine i am i'm no longer in the editorial part of hard drive but when we first started it i was in the meetings for a year um jeremy kapowitz is in charge of it very talented individual he also did the lizard people of new york facebook page that was very popular um, he played uh, Fake Bill last night. Right. Yeah. He went up. He's a great guy. Funny. Cool. And he, the editors for Hard Drive, or the people that started Hard Drive, started Truth Bang, which was the face mm-hmm. fake conspiracy website yeah. that, that wasn't. <laughs> and, we only yeah. have, we have to do things that work, unfortunately. So we prepare for success. We launch them. We do our best. We dedicate time to them. But after three, six months, if no one's interested, we, we pull the plug because yeah. we... I think that's also a huge decision that a lot of people don't do. Either they let it fade or like pod fading. That's a huge thing where people do two podcasts and then they stop, but it's Mm -hmm. still up. Mm -hmm. You're making those decisions of we're going to do this. We're going to, or we're going to cut the cord and, and put our resources toward what's working. Right. So like we cut truth bang and then we took that team and we put them onto hard drive. And then that is this huge successful thing now. So I think more people creatively should pull the plug on their... They should give up on their dreams yeah. <laughs> and try something else. I was well, talking to a lot of... It's the <laughs> sunk cost fallacy. That's all it is, right. is. People think they put money into it and you have to keep doing it. No, no, just stop and do the next thing. Right. Something I, I've been talking to... I used to be a music journalist, so I talked to a lot of bands. Something I noticed about a lot of popular bands is there's no grind story. Like, there's no, like, yeah, you know, only 20 people liked us. We toured the whole U.S. We gained 100 fans. They're like, no, people liked us, like, in the beginning. Yeah, we sounded good, you know? Uh, <laughs> Our demo was super hyped, and yeah. everybody loved it. Yeah, some bands do like the whole, oh, we were kind of unknown for five or six years, and then their, like, music kind of shifted dramatically, and then they got popular. Right. But, like, I was talking to my friend from Ceremony, and I was like, did you guys just, like, was there a big grind period, you know? He's like, no. People liked Ceremony. Wow. <laughs> That's... <laughs> <laughs> and if you put out a creative project like you start a satirical website and you think you're going to go on a five-year grind stop don't <laughs> yeah. start a different one <laughs> i mean i was definitely ignored for years like no one knew it no one i remember i remember tweeting out should i have an instagram account <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah sure okay i'll try that like it's huh. those 
things, but I also think the continuing it and not listening to everything or people telling you no, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that's, that's hard. Yeah. We we got told no a lot uh, early on, like as far as I get affected by that. I, I mean, at, in the beginning, I think we would we weren't doing the hard times for anybody but ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like this is just a creative thing, and we'll see how it goes. Right. You know, Wasn't and any money attached, right? And so when it became popular, we were pleasantly surprised. Uh, you know, I used to care about what people like said negatively about my creative projects, like my bands and stuff. But with hard times, there was this thing where you could look at how many people were reading the website, and I would just think. Mm. a million people kind of voted with their feet and said that they liked that article. So the one guy, it doesn't, doesn't really matter anymore. Do you remember alt press and, or sorry, uh, absolute punk. And you, we'd put out a story for e- equal vision, like band, like circus survive announced his album. Mm-hmm. And we'd read and literally do like a count. We'd mm-hmm. be like 10 people hated it. Five people love it. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck, what are we doing? Like you doubt yourself when 15 Goombas yeah. right. that are inside kids. You know, you know that term? Yeah. They just sit yeah. on the internet like they're mm-hmm. inside kids. Instead of, you're right, actually mm-hmm. looking at the data and being like, wow, this many people. Yeah. This was before I think there was a lot more analytics, but you're totally right. Like yeah. you have more data to look at and be like, if that goon is sitting there talking shit the whole time, it's definitely like it's not anything. It's something about human biology where when someone criticizes us, it's just the weight of that grows in our head. Um, it can be very unfortunate. It can definitely eat away at people, especially creative people. Well, even yeah, I think you know, it kind of touches on like core stuff too. You know what I mean? Like, I think that I know I have this deep-rooted belief that like I'm a piece of shit and yeah. I'm not really funny. This is true. And, this is true. You know what I mean? Like, it's all like I'm, I'm, it's all worthless and pointless. And then when somebody says that, it's just like, oh, like yeah, okay, You're they're right. right. Like this is exactly what I've been telling myself and right. what I've been working not to hear. So I do think that it, yeah, it's all about the perspective shift and and just uh, it's. I still do that. I still can't focus on the positive though. If there's one person that's right. making negative comments, it doesn't matter if some a headline that I wrote has. 10,000 likes on Instagram. It's like that one comment is... That's why I don't read the comments. You know what I, oh, I know. I have to turn off comments sometimes on posts. Yeah. Because I just know that there's going to be people being like, well, last week you said this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't even want to see it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I feel bad because there's people that are probably saying cool stuff that I don't even want to respond. Yeah. Because right. I, I don't want to see it. Yes. I deleted... <laughs> I told him I deleted the Facebook app on my phone when I saw that the uh, Heroin Hometown article came out because I was like, I just can't... It's too tempting for me. Like, I know I will look if I have it on there, but... I feel like for my own sanity, it's just like I just I'll just take three days and then and then I haven't uploaded it again, so it's actually been nice, <laughs> right? It's been really good not to have that on my phone. You know, but yeah, it's <laughs> when Hard Times first came out, I used to read almost every comment, and then I would click on the shares and I'd read what people wrote when they yes, shared it, shared and comments. then what the people in the comments read, uh, what they wrote, and. Um, no, I don't read any of them. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, last night we did a book event and like a hundred people came out. If, you know, if a hundred people came up and said, great job. And, but one guy left me like, yeah, you guys sucked. I would have only listened to that. You guys sucked. Like everybody else thought the exact same thing. They were just being fucking polite. You know, yeah, uh, like, it would have been like the first thing on my no mind. No one asked questions quickly. <laughs> Everyone was quiet. Like you start. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, I think when the people say negative things about us, we think that they must know us better. They must have the inside scoop and the truth because we think of ourselves in that way sometimes when we're feeling down so go that guy 
he knows what he's talking about because he just said what I think about myself. <laughs> and the other people will go, man, your book's incredible. This is You're like the funniest guy in the world. You go, that guy's been fooled. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, this is... Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I guess I have a negative trait where I'm kind of narcissistic, but there's some positive benefits, which is I go, eh, whatever. <laughs> I could handle a couple more negative comments because bloated ego. Right. Uh, what do you guys want to do next? I think the book's amazing. I know that's always like the LA thing to say, but it really is exciting. Like this is that's if you guys are you know the LA meeting. Like you say that you've just climbed Mount Everest and mm-hmm. you just came back from winning the you know EGOT, and they'll be like, so what's next? Yeah, like right. they can't. They just they didn't hear any of it. Um, what do you guys want to do next? Because I think this book is a stake that um, you know I think is I don't know. I've just. It's fucking rad that you guys did this. Thank you. Yeah. I know how hard it is. It's like a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. thank you. It Thanks. was a long time in the making. And uh, as far as what's next, I mean, ho- hopefully we can, you know, work on a book number two sort of thing. Is obviously, I mean, I live in Los Angeles now, you know, so hey, get those TV dreams brewing right there. But that would, you know, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, Matt, what do, you, what do you think? I had an interesting meeting before we left on this book tour. And uh, we had a... a a web series project that I think is looking more fruitful now. We've awesome. got some funding for it. Uh, Kyle Kinane, Jonah Ray, uh, Greg Heller. Oh, I and love Jonah. Yeah, we're, we're all kind of um, brainstorming and getting ready to kind of make a move on that. So hopefully you'll see a Hard Times web series in the future. I would like to make another Hard Times book. I would like to make a Hard Drive book. I'd like to work on and solidify our podcast network. And I have one iron in the fire that maybe could turn our website into an ad-free website, but with more content. So those are the things that I want to do. Love it. No, those are the things that I will do. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> one versus one. Well, yeah. right. Chrissy and I were having this whole discussion about <laughs> being uh, more, what were you saying about saying excuse me or I'm sorry, like being less. Oh, you're being more careful with your words, being yeah. more deliberate with the words that you use and like the self-talk that you use. We're too. trying not to get bullied in public, which is something we both struggle <laughs> Matt got with. yelled at on the airplane. I got yelled oh. at on the airplane and if this guy's listening to that, I'm going to find you. Uh, I uh, was on the airplane over here and I had AirPods, but also I had like a dongle and earphones and I think my AirPods died. So I went to go get my normal plug-in ones and they were in the overhead container like a couple rows back. And so I just went over there and I walked up, I very carefully opened up the thing, and I kind of said, oh, sorry, everybody, like to the people in my general area. Maybe 15, 20 seconds of digging through my backpack. I didn't pull it out. I just dug through it, right? And this guy just, he went, excuse me, excuse me. And he was like the guy closest to me, but I hadn't touched him. Right. You were too close. And I looked to him, and I said, I said, sorry. And I had got my little dongle thing, so I just kind of, I think I went like this. I like kind of yeah, recoiled, yeah, yeah. like in a weird, like confused. I didn't know if something had happened that I didn't see. I put my dongle in my pocket and I started walking away. And uh, as I got a couple steps, a woman who was like coming from the bathroom said, "Did that man just yell at you?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was at that that point. I got a little heated. Like I was a little upset that this guy had kind of like disrespected right. me randomly. And so I turned to him and looked directly at him and said yeah he tried to but he wasn't very intimidating (laughs) nice then I walked away (laughs) and then the rest of the airplane ride I went to go to the bathroom a couple of times more than I needed to and I kept trying to stare him down and avoid eye contact and then I started thinking about the rules like what happens if you get in a fight on an airplane? Like, do they do they grab the blade? Does someone jump up? Air marshal fucking freeze! (laughs) Uh, I always like to be like if someone's like that 
it'll be like um I was like, "Oh, was your was your private jet just not available today?" <laughs> yeah, like, you you fuck. There's 300 people on a flying yeah. fr- like metal tube. Yeah, this miracle device, you know. <laughs> yeah. like, shut up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're in this together right We're now, in this you know. Together right now. I didn't touch him. That was the thing. I was. I didn't even touch you, dude. Relax. <laughs> it's that. a crowded space. What do you want from me? Yeah. Um, You're in coach. But you know what it reminded <laughs> me of? Exactly. Also, dude, the weird thing about Delta—they've got like a hundred different like tiers. Oh yeah, oh. and then plus, you, yeah, Supreme premium. Plus, Comfort Plus, Comfort Minus. You get in there, it's just like a bus. It's they're really all the same. They're all the same. Uh, but it's just all the order of when you board, you know, yeah, right. like yeah, so you can have a bigger overhead bag and be an asshole that takes up a bunch of space. Uh, Are you talking me? about the zones, the uh, boarding zones, yeah? And how they're it reminded me nothing. of when I was in tour in New York a long time ago, and people were like. I would like walk up and I'm from California and I'd be like, what do I want? Like at the deli counter or something like that. And they'd be like, like pick a sandwich asshole or whatever. <laughs> and I, I was like, I couldn't, I could never really handle it. Well, you I know what, like, Matt? They're right. Pick a fucking sandwich. That was my sandwich. first week in New York. <laughs> yeah. I'm at the deli yeah. and I'm w- doing the same thing you did. And they never called on me. Mm-hmm. But I watched a guy walk in and yell, ham on rye, light on the mustard, no one I couldn't even see the guy and he yelled you got it Mac yeah. so the next day I walked I'm 21 I walked in and I just yelled like egg salad on a roll like light on the pepper and the guy did the, he was like you got it buddy wow but it was like going up chief like the yeah it happened to me again I couldn't I w- wait so you I gotta, you gotta know what you want I was like I felt so out of place when I came here on tour the first time and I didn't like it I was you like people are nicer in California you weren't eating. and so to like yesterday I went to go get a bagel and like I went up to the counter and he's like, you got to order over there or whatever. Like I was in the wrong spot. I go over here and then like, hurry up. What do you want? <laughs> and then another kid, a young kid, like a high school kid with a backpack came on and he's like ordered something really quick. The guy made it for him, even though he ordered behind me. And then he threw it ac- over the counter into the like dining area and the kid caught it and started. I'm like, these people are so cool. <laughs> I'll never be this cool. I'm just like, do you have an app? Can I, can I order to go? <laughs> I need a tray. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So, you know, my story about being fired from Dunkin' Donuts, that's uh how it started, was throwing a sandwich to my friend who intentionally didn't catch it and let it hit the ground and then picked it up and threw it back at me. (laughs) And that's what started the food fight, uh, which got me fired. Uh, uh, Nice. So, yeah, we're trying to be cool. Like, hey, uh, bacon, egg, and cheese coming at you. You know what I realized? It's just like when I was at that bagel shop the other day, I realized I'll never feel as at home as New Yorkers feel in New York. I've never been in a space and just been like, this is my fucking space. Yeah, me yeah, it's, it's everybody's space. It. Everybody's on top of each other. <laughs> I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> you know? I never feel that. But these people walk into random fucking bagel shops that they don't even own and it's like their living room or whatever. Well, because you don't have any space. Yeah, people uh, just like uh, cry in public and shit all the time in New York because they can't cry in their house. So it's, you know, just yeah, the, shit they I, do. I think that's hurt me is i'm desensitized to anything mm-hmm. like there could be you know anything going on across the street and i've seen it mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh six rats pushing a garbage can down the hill <laughs> seen it guy shitting like, I'm fi- yeah guy shitting yeah. like you know yeah there was one time there was like a puddle and i saw tourists waiting for the light and i was like honey honey look i told my girlfriend just watch 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 Four Bus. seconds later, cab just drenched them. <laughs> oh. See a cab. I just knew. I was like, "This is a spot where this is." Yeah. I feel like everybody has that yeah. where they see it before 
Yeah. And I, that's why you stay alive. Like, yeah. I think that's the only way I stay alive. <laughs> and I'm just drenched. Yeah, you're drenched. Yeah. <laughs> I'm drenched. And I'm I thinking would... to myself, I like California better, man. This is... <laughs> My fires are fucking nuts. I want an Uber, man. I don't want a taxi. Uh, Chrissy hailed the cab for us today because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, she goes, hey, yo. I, got, I yelled at a guy for upstreaming me. You guys know what that is? No, oh, yeah. That's when you're on the street and you put your hand out and someone walks in front of you and puts their hand out. Uh-huh. So I called him out on it and he got so pissed but it was great. My girlfriend hates when I do confrontational things mm-hmm. on the street, but I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Are you confrontational, generally? Oh, totally. yeah, you I'll are? totally make a comment. Oh, oh. Dude, you're a dick. Like, go fuck yourself. He's, he's got a non-disparagement agreement. <laughs> <laughs> I have a full drafts folder of things that I should not say. So, uh, uh, so I... I was like, nice upstream. Yeah. And my girlfriend fucking hit me. And I was like, he's like, oh, who's here? Her? I was like, upstream. You walked in front of me and upstreamed mm-hmm. me. That's not about being first. It's upstreaming. Mm-hmm. So he got, I was like, fine, take it. And so he got in the cab and I knew I won because he slammed the door mm-hmm. as hard as he could. But uh, didn't look at you? Didn't yeah. look at me. I just stared at him. <laughs> yeah. fucking way. God, I was like, you're such an asshole. You know, I tried to, to explain that to, to my girlfriend about how men do this thing where it's like, yeah, he didn't look at me. That's how I know I won. That's what you mentioned about the yeah. guy on the plane. Yeah, that he, yeah, oh, he yeah, went yeah, to the yeah, bathroom you and you said that he didn't. We're just horrible animals. All we're doing is trying to intimidate each other Good at job. all points in time. That's exhausting. <laughs> I don't know why I think I'm... I think because... Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's this emo thing where I, I, you, you know, like you're wrong. Like it's not My Chemical Romance bullshit. Right. You know, like <laughs> that's not emo man. That's because you're Irish. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so angry. <laughs> how long have you lived in the city? I, was, I thought you were gonna ask how long you've been Irish. <laughs> <laughs> that question was gonna be. I've lived here since 2000. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah. Was there anything else you mention? Uh, by the book, the hard times, the first forty years, uh, out everywhere books are sold. I think, uh, more or less. Yeah, that's the coolest part. It's, yeah. You can walk into Barnes and Nobles and buy it, and a lot of indie bookstores. So, or if you want to order it online, it's thehardtimes.net backslash book. And thank you so much for having us. Fuck yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you. you guys. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Cool.